come on. From ghetto to ghetto, the backyard to yard, I sell it with my bill. What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in Lubbock, people up in the Mahan City in Denver, Colorado. People up in the Shy City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo, you are tuned in here to the Friday edition of the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing has been in the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. 877-37-GRIND. You know the rules. If you know what you want to talk about, it is open phone lines as usual. Uh, give us a call. The only thing we ask you to do is to call during the breaks and the uh, be patient during the breaks and long segments and we'll get to the phone calls accordingly if you need to follow me on twitter slash x you can do that at sports grind and also keep in mind if you want to stream the show live and leave comments i'll read those in uh, on air in real time or i'll respond to those later uh, you can go to the business facebook page of sports grind entertainment or you can go to my personal page as well and like i said i'll leave comments or you leave comments and i'll respond to them or i'll respond to them later and also keep in mind if you ever miss any of the episodes live or you are in a market that doesn't carry us terrestrial radio wise or you're having technical difficulties listening to us through your other apps and means, keep in mind you can always go to sportsgrindonline.com where you can download the podcast seven days a week, 365, and you can click the play button, listen live, and we'll be there and there for you. 877-37-GRIND. What's up, Mr. Clark? Ready, rock and roll. All right, so let's get into it today uh, as we end the week. Got uh, quite a bit of things to get to. We're about only a week and a couple days away from the Super Bowl. Um, Definitely got some thoughts and we've got some off-the-field news in regards to that. Um, Also, um, which basically I just saw this on social media and then um, Rob tagged us, but... um, Thoughts and prayers to call weathers. Yeah, just um, came down the wire. Yeah. Um, the name doesn't ring a bell. That's the actor who's famous. He's played a lot of roles, but he's famous for Apollo. Um, believe he passed away at the age of 76. You know, and in, in the 80s, um, you know, you really have, which, you know, everything, like I've always said, like, hey, R&B's dead and everything's dead. You know, in the 80s, you had this influx of action movie stars you know heroes i won't say heroes but let's just say action stars and really i've said you know in my lifetime in my era you know um sylvester stallone and arnold schwarzenegger got this started you know i believe you know if it's not for them you know rock probably doesn't have a lane like he's the closest thing to really you know that type of action hero that was kind of linked uh you know, he was able to pretty much act with both of those uh, mega superstars and Arnold and Sylvester Sloan. I know he was in Predator uh, with Arnold, but he's really known and famous for his work with Apollo. So um, and I'm pretty sure people know him as Apollo before they really even know him as his real name. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at that. But he's he's passed away at the age of 76. Uh, fun fact about Carl Weathers mm-hmm. uh, from Variety doing the write up about his, you know, his life and his career. Uh, he was. Uh, did you know that he signed with the Raiders 
1970 hmm. as a free agent and played eight games across two seasons. Nice fun fact. I know there was a few guys back in the day that was actors that spent some time on the gridiron, but no, I did not know that about him. Um, that's that's nice to know. Uh, but no, man, rest in peace to him and his family. Um, you know, because that's just the era that, you know, it's to say that you pretty much played important significant roles in two of those guys movies Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger amongst other things that he acted with other people that's pretty impressive so thoughts and prayers out to to him um you know and to that you know people's always tried to throw which you know I know he's battling health issues so prayers to him too but I've never put um People try to add Bruce Willis in there. I, I don't put him in that category. You know, a lot of people put him in there because of Die Hard and stuff. I really think Arnold and Sylvester Stallone, those were the two that really, you know, and then you get more modern in regards to, uh, you know, the Fast and Furious collection kind of introduced Vin Diesel and, you uh, know. Jason Statham. Is that the guy that, with the accent? Yeah, <sighs> with the, the bald hair. He, yeah. he, would be, he would be that guy that I think that you could say in this newer generations guy. But the way Arnold, because you got to look at it, Arnold and Sylvester, like not just the acting, but they carried the body part that did it. Like the way they took care of their body, they were built like that made you buy into their character of being whether this you know rock which that was all based around a true boxer's life by the way but you know Arnold and the way they dedicated their body they looked I mean you go back to like Conan the Barbarian they looked they played the part like when you name some of these other guys it's like that's why I say Dwayne Johnson aka Rock is probably the closest thing but I still set those two in their own category but anyway we've got other things going on today in the sports world of course like I said we're a week and a couple days away from Super Bowl 58 uh, well definitely we've got some off the field news with that uh, Nick Bosa has spoken up in regards to what he thinks about uh, the matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. We'll talk about that. Also, Harbaugh introduced to everybody as the new Chargers coach, uh, which kind of had a quirky type of feel to it, but that's Jim, you know, and uh, we'll definitely get to that in my thoughts in regards to that type of particular press conference he had. Uh, we've got some other OC hirings that we'll get to as well also. Also in the football realm, um, I know this kind of circled after I'd already got prepared for the docket today, but I'll add that in because Jonas had brought it to my attention, but I guess it's circulating out there uh, in regards to college football, what the SEC and the Big Ten having having the works or having a plan so the report saying that they are forming what like a committee uh between the both conferences in regards to look at the landscape of college football and find out what's the best direction to go well in a statement from the sec today um and it's a joint statement from the sec and big 10 Um, the Big Ten Conference and the Southern, Southern Eastern, Southeastern Conference today announced the formation of a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and athletic directors to address the significant challenges facing college athletics and the opportunities for betterment of the student-athlete experience. These challenges, including but not limited to recent court decisions, pending litigation, a patchwork of state laws, and complex governance proposals, compel the two conferences to take a leadership role in developing solutions for a sustainable future of college sports. 
Um, my initial thoughts of not having given too much time into this, it's kind of, I mean, it's playing out the way that some of us discussed and some of us that follow college football for a while, and especially over the few years and all the realignment and the, um, you know, teams and universities leaving for Big 12, the SEC, vice versa, and then the expansion of the 14 playoff to 12. It's kind of following the course of what some of us expected, and I know I did. I mean, that to me, that's a translation to that. That's the next step of really forming their own, whether you want to say rules, uh, their own conference, what we use the word over the years, the super conference. Um, you know, thoughts on the NIL situation and the transfer portal, that's really all with that statement. They don't tell you bluntly, up straight, you know, through that statement Jonas just read, but that's what it's about. And and really what it is is that it's the start, too, of the initiative to break away from the NCAA, in my opinion. Um, I don't think this is something that's going to happen over the course of months. I don't think it's something that's going to happen over the course of next year. But the groundwork is being put in to where Big Ten and SEC, where if you, you know, take a poll from coaches to whatever you want to talk about it, players, fan, media, those are the two biggest conferences in the country, you know, uh, and the most successful of late. So they're going to end up, in my opinion, what this tells me, they're going to end up taking charge and forming, hey, this is this is in our vision what college football is going to look like and is on the path of looking like. Because if you just sit there and you, you know, wait around for the NCAA to interject themselves, I mean, they've kind of already, you know, turned the other cheek when it comes to just something as simple as trying to rein in this whole NIL situation. And they've kind of just thrown up their hands like, oh, no, y'all wanted it. We kept getting sued. This is what it is. We rushed it. Y'all deal with it. So then that's why you've got part of some athletic directors, some school presidents reaching out to Capitol Hill and the government trying to, you know, pretty much, you know, get them to say, hey, we need your help. So to me, in a nutshell, this is basically the Big Ten and the SEC taking charge. But we've all known. Uh, you know, especially going into this year and you talk about the expansion, we all knew that college football was in the process of changing and has changed forever uh, going forward. So you've got that going on. Also, uh, baseball, just a quick tidbit here. Theo Epstein, um, you know, former general manager of the Boston Red Sox, won a couple World Series with them, um, went on to go to the Cubs, delivered them their first World Series championship in over 100 years. Um, He's going back to Boston, um, but this time he's going back as an owner, a minority owner, and he's on a board, and they've given him the title as senior advisor. So uh, Theo's always, you know, I I remember having battles with my former coach, Salami. Uh, You know, he wasn't that big of a Theo Epstein fan. There was something about Theo, I think because when he came in, how young he was, I kind of respected his whole, his aura, his old swag, the way he carried himself, and I thought it was cool just to know that, hey, you know, that's kind of unique like those are two historic baseball you know franchises and he technically was able to break the curse on both of them 
um, with his hand in the pot of putting the team together and building up the farm system. So he's kind of been away, I think, for a couple of years, but now he's coming back to Boston, but more as a uh, minority owner on this board, but um, also a personnel advisor. What do you got? Got another interesting note in baseball this morning. The Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles added a former Cy Young pitcher, Corbin Burns, to their uh, rotation. Okay. Um, you know, as, as they're chasing, you know, they've stacked two consecutive good seasons. They just got new ownership, and now new ownership goes out there and put, you know, pushes for bringing in uh, a, a contending, you know, an arm to help them really contend. Uh, bring Burns over from the Brewers. Yeah, nice little pickup there. That one flew up by my radar. Um, you know, I know, I know. I did see a report though that the Yankees uh, was supposed to have was going to make an offer, a decent sized offer to Snail, a pitcher. They didn't. I don't know what the reasons they did. They didn't. But uh, I know that came across my radar because I've been on this whole Yankees kick about them not really addressing the arms, in my opinion, and kind of looking at what the Dodgers are doing, what they've done. So, uh, but almost here, pitchers and catchers will be reporting this month. So baseball will be here for you know yeah, it. Preseason baseball, like twenty days away. Mm. Yeah, is that I mean, hell, 162 games, man. It's too it's too long to get excited about preseason base. But I get you, grapefruit league and all that kind of stuff. But let's start. We'll circle back around to some football notes. But let's start with the NBA. Um, no LeBron, no AD, no problem. Um, as the shorthanded Lakers uh, go on the road and get a W, 114 to 105. Uh, Austin Reeves goes off for 32 points. Uh, went seven from ten from three point land um you know we talked about this briefly going out of the show yesterday you know we looked at it i think it was you know like i think the line was like a 15 well it was 11 and a half and i think when they really announced it it kind of shot up to like 14 15 points um and what i researched and look i came across uh, this is the the biggest outright win by double digit dog in basketball in the last 30 seasons so that's a little fun fact for there uh, but when you look at this, um, there's really there's two things to say. One, you know, to ask the question, should there be some concern about the Boston Celtics? You know, I just remember a few weeks ago coming in here talking about, hey, man, they're 20 and 0 at home. They're undefeated at home. And then all of a sudden, you know, after Denver, uh, the Nuggets go in there and give them their first loss. They go ahead and find themselves with two or three more losses at home. Um, so to me. You know, that's you could take away from that just to see, you know, is there a concern there? Is it the mentality? Uh, you know, I know I saw Missoula's press conference yesterday. He he he's kind of getting more comfortable in his skin in regards to how he's handling the reporters. You know, he said, hey, I think it's, uh, you know, disrespectful to tell another human being that, you know, that uh, that they sucked or they wasn't no good, you know, perform something like that, which was kind of like, okay. Um, but, you know, the other part of this is it kind of goes with, and we've had these discussions before, and, you know, the TNT crew got into it last night. And, and I kind of, I don't agree with everything he always says, but I do agree with Barkley on this one. When he used this game, and I've said this too, this is the example, I think, you know, really what hurts the NBA um, is what's wrong with the NBA. When you have, um, from a couple angles, one, when you look at how long the season is from 82 games, um, that's one. And then when you look at, you know, how most of these teams, especially contending teams, approach games on a nightly basis. Example, what I mean by that is kind of what they're saying is that this is the problem with the NBA. There is no reason 
Okay, because uh, Boston was full strength for the exceptions of Porzingis, which has already been out for a minute. Um, there is no excuse from a team that was struggling with Anthony Davis and LeBron or with one of them in, another one out. There's no excuse for Boston to lose this game at home. But what happens is this is a product of, look, Tatum said it after the game. I mean, you can have a bad day at the office. He said, hey, this is our job. You know, y'all, you can have a bad day at work. That's what it is. Yeah, but the way they were beat, that just shows like, oh, well, LeBron and AD ain't playing tonight. Well, hell, whatever. Let's just get some card. Let's just see what happens. They didn't have the intensity to go in. Because if they had the intensity to win that game, okay, they're supposed to win that game. Not necessarily saying that they've got to, you know, beat the brakes off of them, you know, uh, double them up. It's nothing like that. But to lose that game outright, that kind of shows you, again, different factors of how the NBA, basically what the NBA regular season is. You know, is it too long? Because if you have a condensed less games and more of the games matter in regards to playoff spots, you're not going to sit there and have the tendency to let your guard down just because two superstars aren't playing. You listen to the Sports Grind. We are broadcasting here for the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing Spinning the One and Twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spinning the One and Twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Specs. If you're looking to check out what's the latest new products they have in, or you already know what they have, you just want it delivered straight to your doorstep, don't forget about SpecsOnline.com because the fun starts here. That's Specs, official sponsor of the Sports Grind and an official partner of the Dallas Cowboys. 877-37-GRIND. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, that's just, uh, it's a bad loss for Boston. 
Um, you know, I know Barkley is hardly ever wrong on his predictions, and I know Ernie called him out saying, hey, early on you said they were going to win the whole title, and last night he said he didn't think they could win a championship. Um, I don't know about that. I, the thing I assessed is I think Missoula has gotten more comfortable in the skin. I think they kind of know what they're doing, but I said it two weeks ago. The problem with Boston sometimes is that they get caught up with a bunch – a lot of their offense is just ISO still ball. Like either Tatum taking his guy one-on-one, Jalen Brown, you know, one-on-one, and they kind of feed off of everybody else. If he, they get him, like if you double-team off Tatum or you double-team off Brown, then whoever's open will kick it. That's kind of really what their offensive set is, and that's why I think sometimes when those guys are off or, you know, if you play against a team that can make stops if necessary, they run into problems. But to sit there and say – you know, they can't win a championship is structured. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but I do agree with the fact that when you are a double-digit favorite and you have one of the best home records in the NBA, you're playing a Lakers team that was already struggling and they don't have AD or LeBron and you still lose that game. You lose that game. That's a bad loss. And like I said, the home losses are kind of mounting up a little bit as well. Now, in regards to that game and – uh Surrounding the Lakers, speaking of LeBron, um, and like in the last 48 hours, there's been a big, you know, rumor mill and, and talking heads talking about a potential trade with the Lakers, but this potential trade would include LeBron James. Um, his agent and business partner, Rich Paul, has pretty much came out and denied that. And said that's not happening. Um, but you know, I always believe these conversations get leaked, and they don't. They they come from somewhere. Um, you know, I don't think anybody, as unlikely and unrealistic this seems to anybody hearing this, that's the same reason why I feel like somebody just doesn't make this up to throw it out there. If some people at the highest levels or agents or whatever hasn't discussed the possibility if this is the direction the Lakers should go. That I will say. Do I see it happening? Only if LeBron wants it. But I think where LeBron's at his at the stage of his career and due to the fact that he's got his hands in a lot of business and production company. And there's a reason, you know, it wasn't just about going to L.A. to chase rings. It was also the life after basketball and business-wise. And then on top of that, you have Bronny James that is uh, all wet behind the ear as a freshman playing at USC. Uh, So does it make sense to me that I think LeBron would want to, you know, say ask to be traded or okay a trade? Not with, you know, at this stage of his career – moving further away from his family. Um, So I just think that this, you know, again, like I said, some of the talking heads have taken and ran with it, but I feel like it's not really, you know, some makeup fantasy basketball type of deal. I think that it's floated out there because there's somebody that's tied into the organization of the Lakers that has discussed this. Because, again, you know, even though LeBron is playing at a high level and he's still getting great production – it comes down to the point you have to look at. It's still about the name on the front of the jersey and not on the back. That's what we always preach on this show. So even though that's LeBron James, a.k.a. King James, 
You have to sit there and say, hey, that's why I believe there's some conversations. Now, they could have just started over a water cooler or it could have leaked out. But I do believe there was conversation. Say, hey, you know what? Do we really see this as a championship team? And really, what would be our number one asset? It would be LeBron James. And is that something we want to entertain? And that's the reason why I feel like, you know, this was discussed. Do I think it's a reality or going to happen? No. But I do feel like at some point over the course of this year and the offseason pass, something like this was possibly discussed. What do you got? Well, it really got picked up legs yesterday from David Pingalore, who is with KTLA. He's a sports anchor um, from Jacksonville, who's now in L.A. now. He was in Cleveland for a minute, so he built some contacts there. And that's where he tweeted out yesterday, hearing from NBA peeps that LeBron James is top of the Lakers list to trade. Palinka is looking for the right team to dance and is close to a suitor. Uh, LeBron and AD both out tonight. And so that's where you get the forced response then. But but this has been kind of brewing. You go back to, uh, we talked about it, I think it was on Monday, uh, LeBron had put the hourglass out there on Twitter. We mm-hmm. talked about okay, well, how was that about you know aimed at the frustrations? And this is another LeBron cryptic tweet. And then we kind of come into Monday and we're like, oh well, maybe it's the whole DraftKings partnership, and it was just counting down towards that because it wasn't. A, he didn't delete the tweet, and then his next tweet was the announcement with, with DraftKings. Um, and then the just the discontent, and then there's also the the story that LeBron fed us all two years ago as well that he wants to play with Bronny, and I understand that Bronny's played what maybe eleven, ten games with USC because we know I, I, if I'm not mistaken he's not starting. We know that he dealt with the health issues over the summer um, with the the with the uh, cardiac. Uh, deal um i can't remember exactly what it was yeah but but he had the heart deal going on over the summer and then lebron said you know i want to play with Bronny, and well what's this is the time of year unless he's going to force his way out during the summer this is the time when given the the downturn of the season the struggles of the team if he was to say hey rob you know get me out of here man uh, and, and, and save face because it wouldn't be it wouldn't look like he asked for a trade. It would look like, hey, the Lakers are just trying to sell assets and then he could work his way to a team that could acquire Bronny. Well, I mean, if you throw in the Bronny angle to it, I just uh, like him to requesting a trade now, whatever, based off of that makes no sense because you don't know where. First of all, we don't know where if Bronny's coming out, uh, if he's one and done. And number two, you, there, you don't know where he's going to land in the lottery. So getting out now just for Bronny, that wouldn't make any sense. And number two, I feel that, you know, if this was LeBron, you know, year 16, year even 17, I would sit there and say, yes, I could see him saying, look, man, like, you know, we try to make it work. We got one ballroom championship out of it, but honestly, I'm having to average 23, 24, 26, and year 21 plus assists or whatever just to give us a chance every night. I told you, when you know when you when he goes off the court, whether he's not playing or not, or he goes out to rest, and I look at just Anthony Davis with that supporting cast, it it looks like night and day. You know, now I think last night, even though I talk about hey the Celtics, this is what's wrong with the NBA. When you got 82 games, you got too many games, and once they look over, say, oh, AD and LeBron, we take off tonight. Even though I say that, keep in mind this last night's game was also, if you want to be technical, could have been 
a middle of the finger win from Darvin Ham. Because, you know, Darvin Ham has started to hear some rumblings, and there's been rumblings that LeBron is wearing thin with Darvin. And Darvin just went and beat the top team in the East without his two best players with a bunch of role. I mean, Austin Reeves went nuts. But also the way they played, and they've been struggling, that's also one of those that, you know, could be a big middle finger to you from Darvin Ham. And, and it also shows, too, that it's not easy. I mean, I know everybody, well, you know, Phil Jackson, you coach Scottie Pippen, Jordan, and Shaq and Kobe. But when you have, especially in these days and times, when you have dynamic superstar players in the NBA, it is not that easy to coach those guys, especially – if you don't really have any skins on the wall, like any, and when I say skins, I'm like if you don't have any championship playoffs experience, all that, like Darvin Ham really doesn't. You know, they won it with Frank Vogel and walked away from him. The truth of the matter is it makes your job even more difficult. You know, um, there's a reason why, and I always go back to this, there's a reason why LeBron didn't get a, away with too much stuff in Miami. Because he had Pat Riley in the house. And Pat Riley at that time already had more championships than LeBron. And he had done it as a coach. Okay. And he had done it as, and he had built it and also done it as an executive. So it's one of those that, you know, that's why the whole, hey, man, I'm going to take Maverick Carter. I'm going to take you over on the plane. No, LeBron, you're not. And he stood up to him. And that's the one spot from Cleveland on two stints to LA to Miami. Miami was the one that was like, hey, you can't do all this over here. Why? Because they had somebody in the house that had a lot of skins on the wall. I just feel that also so I could buy into this story and be in reality and him saying, hey, man, if he doesn't because all he's playing for. I mean, the guy damn near has a net worth of a billion dollars. So he's not playing basketball for the money. OK, he's playing to try to improve one his finals record and two his ring count. So if he felt that like, hey, man, this just ain't happening in L.A. and I got maybe about a season or two left. I could see him in year 17, 16 doing that. Year 21, older now, kids in college. Savannah probably has, you know, friends and little business things that she's, you know, grown accustomed to since she then been in L.A. I don't really see that happening uh, per se, but we'll see. But I do think that definitely they this is going to be two years in a row that they're going to have to make a move at the deadline. I will say that. 877-37-GRIND. Also, um, keeping it moving, uh, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but we've got an update and a diagnosis on Joel Embiid. Um, he has a meniscus injury. Uh, the timetable is very uncertain. It's up in the air. So this is not going to be just we're going to miss two games or three games. You know, this has really spawned that whole conversation and debate about, you know, the end of the season rewards and how many games you got to play. And Embiid was playing what he should have been sitting down. And now the bottom line is if you're Philadelphia 76ers, which you saw last night as well, too. Um, I, I, everybody knows I've been talking about it for a while. I'm, I'm a big Nick Nurse fan. Uh, I think that guy can really coach. Um, it wasn't all about Kawhi, just Kawhi in Toronto. I think he can really coach. And if you look at it last night, I mean, they're going to be without Joel a while. But last night, I mean, they were victorious um, in a tough you know, kind of basically, you know, environment in Utah, they've been playing better. But Maxi went nuts. He went for a 50 piece, you know, and this is on the hills, which we're going to look at the reserves. But this is on the hills, too, of Maxi getting, you know, elected to his first all star 
you know, game. But I think if you look at Joel Embiid, and I said it yesterday, you know, his goal was really to be healthy when the playoffs came. And he, he said that he's felt in the last couple of years being caught up in the MVP race, wanting the MVP, you know, feeling like a couple of years ago he should have got it instead of Joker. In years past, he would push it, and he said that he thought when they got to the finals, I mean, when they got to the playoffs last year, it was kind of a hindrance to him because he wasn't in the best of shape, you know, physically, feeling-wise. So now you put this on the table with this meniscus situation, and it even makes it more cloudier about the Philadelphia 76ers going forward. Now, me, I think, you know, the best thing that's happened to Maxie is, of course, James Harden getting out. Now, also, Maxie's let it be known, James Harden let him, he, you know, he kind of tutor, tutored him to a certain extent along the way to kind of let him know, well, you know, this is how you be the man. You know, this is, you know, this is what you do. Like telling Maxie, listen to him in the regular season. Don't take no advice in the postseason. But. Uh, the reality of it is Maxi stepped up huge last night, but if you go for it, and I like Nick Nurse, and I like with the team, Tobias Harris, all these guys, but I still say Philly, I don't see them, even with the healthy Embiid, I don't see them as a championship team yet this year. I really don't. I, they would have to, now as structured, and everything I say is with a caveat and a disclaimer of the trade deadline, but I definitely put Philly as one of those teams in the Eastern Conference that is going to have to make a move if they really want to compete, even to get out the East let alone an NBA championship. But Maxi went nuts last night with a 50-piece. And also another guy that was elected to his first, uh, you know, all-star game, Brunson uh, from New York at home in the garden. Uh, hell of a gutsy uh, win against the Pacers. I mean, he really showed out, especially in the fourth. And that crowd from New York, I mean, that's a thing with New York, man. I was telling AC this last night. You know, it's one of those situations to where I've said this before, not every athlete or coach can work in New York, Boston or Philly. There's just, those are just three cities that can really break an athlete or a coach that has to do their job and basically perform in front of millions on a big stage in a big market. They are brutal, especially the fans. They'll run you out. But what you saw last night at Madison Square Garden with Brunson, this is the thing. When you play hard and you're like Brunson in a blue collar and, you're first, and they gravitate to you and he's the face of that franchise right now, that crowd is like no other. And that support from New York is like no other. It's, it's like the gift and the curse. They will ride you and kill you and maybe run you out of town and ruin your mental state. As a professional, if you don't perform and you have these expectations, whether your salary's high, they're paying you a lot, or they traded so many picks to get you and you don't perform, or you're a top pick, they will kill you. But last night was a perfect example of you look at the story of Brunson and what he's been through. They love that guy. And I mean, it almost brought him to tears being emotional after the game of what it meant to make his first All-Star game and the hard work that he put in. Um, now, for the record, I'm still... Um, and I don't know. And, you know, I think this is I think this is the Tibbs factor. But for some reason, I'm still not to the point where I look at the Knicks. Like if they're a true contender, they can really not alone just come out the East, but really win the whole thing. Maybe by the time we get past the trade deadline and I see the moves and this winning continues, maybe I have to buy in and say, hey, you know what? This Knicks team is legit. They got, and I'm not saying they're not legit, but I think some of my hesitance or my reluctance is really about Thibodeau. 
And I'm just waiting for that whole, that stretch. And keep in mind, this is without Randall. I think Randall's still out dealing with his situation. Yeah, his, he's his right now. Yeah, so um, I think this is really more about Tibbs, the reason why I haven't really embraced this team to be like, hey, they're legit. Like, I don't feel about the Knicks the same way that I feel about the Clippers. Okay. Um, meaning like, hey, if they're healthy and their best can beat anybody, I don't feel like the Knicks about the Knicks like I feel about the Denver Nuggets. You know, um, I said it yesterday. I, you know, I just feel that, you know, when we talk about titles, not just Western Conference or Eastern Conference champs, but we talk about the Larry O'Brien trophy, it's one of those that I look at Clippers with good health, the defending champions, the Denver Nuggets, Staying healthy. And thirdly, um, I look at um, championship-wise Boston. Um, now, in the West, yesterday I said OKC, which I'll still throw them in the mix of maybe to come out the West. But I think youth-wise, whatever, Oklahoma's not there yet either. Um, they're, they're, they're not a championship team yet, in my opinion, just off of experience and just off having to go through it. But uh, that was a hell of a scene last night at the Garden uh, with the Knicks really having to rally. I mean, Indiana came to play. They played them, outplayed them for the most part, but they got down to that fourth quarter and Brunson just took over and, like I said, went nuts. 877-37 grind. Um, I know we're coming up against it, but I want to kind of look at, too, uh, the All-Star Reserves when we get back that was kind of uh, named. Uh, take a look at that. Um also, uh, when we get back, after we go through that, I do want to kind of transition into the National Football League as well, too, because we've got some coordinator hires. We've got Nick Bosa, who has been the first to speak about going against Kansas City's O-line. want to talk about that as well. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. 
Now is the perfect time to get to specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind.